right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. KU scathing by Iowa State last night with Adam Dravet. I'm Derek Johnson here on KLWN. It was an ugly game to start. KU had 10 points through the first, I don't know, nine minutes or so of the game kind of clawed their way back, tied the game, then Iowa State hits a little jolt at the end. KU ends up being down two at the half. They they go on an early run in the second half, and you're starting to think, okay, they've weathered the storm. Maybe they're going to win this thing. I mean, they're 12-point they're favorites. Maybe they're going to win this thing by 8, 12 points, not going to have to really sweat things out at the end. And then they kind of fell apart at the end. Jalen Wilson misses the one-and-one. One. Iowa State goes down and scores. You have trouble getting rebounds. You're up a point late. You can't get the rebound. It gets knocked out to Caleb Grill, a Kansas kid, and he hits the deep two that they thought was a three. He gets reversed to a two. KU goes down and scores, and then Iowa State goes down and scores. Then Dewan Harris comes up with the big play at the end. Ochai went off again for KU, but, I mean, boy, did that drive from Dewan Harris. Uh, the, the biggest term or word that I can think of, I don't know if this is one word that's hyphenated or if it's if it's two words is bailout because that that bailed out KU from what was offensively a pretty bad game, albeit against a good opponent in Iowa State. Yeah, and it was a, a shot that you know it was a person you wouldn't expect uh, or wouldn't be high on your list that you'd expect to to hit the big three or to be, hit the big shot, not the big three. Um, I was thinking back to the Ben Mac, my junior year at KU, Ben McLemore hit a three. A big three against Iowa State to force overtime, um, but anyway, uh, it, it, the big shot. Dewan Harris would not be high on the list of players you'd expect to hit that shot, and the manner in which he hit it, you know, it, we're you know, I, I anytime um, we've said a lot. Anytime you get a driving point guard, you immediately they they get comparisons to previous driving KU point guards. Um, I think a big difference with Dewan, and he he had another shot like this early in the game. He's so long; he doesn't really go under the defender as much as he just uses his length to flip it from his right arm up over the top of him. Um, so he, he it was it was impressive, and it's um it's because of him we can we can sit here and and any any bullet points or any picking apart of of struggles that we want to do with last night. It's because of Dewan Harris that we can sit here and add the caveat, yeah, but they won. <laughs> yes, which is the most important thing. So I don't, I don't want to take that away from from today because we are going to have a lot of conversation on today's show about, you know, oh, what's going on, what's gone wrong, and at the end of the day, we do need to center ourselves from the spot of, well, this isn't disaster time. This isn't like pan, like they still they still won a game against, against a the top fifteen team. opponent. Yeah, and, and you you want to bring up now? Uh, I hope I'm not hurrying you on it, and, and you wanted to no. save it for a later later segment. But did you want to bring up? Because we we bring up Ken Palm a lot, but just to to give you another great um, 
analytics website it, it had Iowa State quite a bit higher than Ken. Palmer. Yeah, Bart Torvik, which I, I was actually I was I was texting Jesse before the show who we're gonna have Jesse Newell on in about thirty minutes. We'll have Greg Gurley on as well in the four o'clock hour um, about what the biggest difference was between Bart Torvik and Ken Palm because um, Ken Palm is is almost like the the team analytical bible for college basketball, but Bart Torvik is another very highly regarded site as well. It's it's the, uh, I guess, the 1B to Ken Palm's 1A or, or whatever. Um, and Iowa State's 17th on there. And so it, it's one thing for you to say, well, okay, you had that struggle of a game against the 33rd best team, which is what they are in Ken Palm. If you said, oh, they're 17th best, which they are on Bartorvik, or if you said they're 15th best in the AP poll, then it's like, oh, you know, it, it's not that big of a deal. So, I mean, I, yeah, they're probably legitimately – they're they're probably a legitimate um, top twenty team uh, is I think it's safe to say even though Ken Palm has a thirty three well Ken Palm knows their stuff I do think it is worth noting that Ken Palm um, adds and Bartorvik does this too but not to the extent of Ken Palm for the first twenty one games of every season a see a team's previous season is factored in on Ken Palm. And it's less and less as the season goes by. So it's not like all of a sudden between game 20 and 21, bam, it's all erased from last year. It's taken away. The The last season matters less and less as the first 21 games go on for Ken Palm. And then in game 21, it takes away um, last season altogether. The point is, in, in Ken Palm's model, which is still very good and, and, and isn't, you know, isn't nothing, and but it is worth noting that they are factoring in a team that only that, that went over last year in conference play and only won two games overall. Mm-hmm. So that that's still being hung hung hanging on to Iowa State's current Ken Palm ranking, which might be something that Ken Palmeroy needs to adjust in a world with the transfer portal where you can overhaul your whole team in a year. Well, yeah, uh, to your point, they were 113th to begin the year in Ken Palm. So like. By the end of the year, it'll, you know, if they keep on the pace they are, I'm, I'm sure they will be a top 20 team. It just doesn't reflect that way right now. Um, but I, I do view that team in, in that regard. But that said, for KU, as great as it was, you get a win. Um, as great as an ending like that is, because, you know, it, it goes from pure disappointment as a fan to sitting there in the stands if you're watching the game or if you're watching on ESPN Plus or listening on the radio to all of a sudden pure elation and it, it almost masks they got great, how the game went. Yeah. Um, the they offense, great shots in the student section too. Going yeah, they did. That, that, was that, that was fun. Um, the offense was not good for KU. And this now makes a little bit of a trend because – if you look back really over the last four games, I mean, if you want to go back to the Stephen F. Austin game, you could say five of the last six, but even then, you put up 80 points. Um, over the last four games, you had the game against George Mason, George Mason, where you were a little slow early. You had that great run, probably the last eight to ten minutes of the first half. Second half, you didn't even score 30 points against George Mason. Um, Oklahoma State, you had the game where you missed 19 straight shots in the first half. Uh, and then the Texas Tech game, obviously that was a bit of a slog offensively, the Iowa State game slog offensively. So that's four straight games now where the offense has put up maybe a little bit of a stinker, at least what our expectations are of this team. And it, it's one thing if you have an elite defense, but for a team that, like, this team's calling card, if they're going to win a title or make a Final Four, 
is going to be we have an absolutely elite offense and the defense is good enough with the offense. That's that's going to be their calling card. And for right now, with the offense not playing that way the last four games, I think it does have to give you a little bit of a worry. Oh, absolutely. And, and in each of those games, there's a yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Which, it, you know, the George Mason game, yeah, but it was kind of a, a weird atmosphere. The game was scheduled like 72 hours in advance. It was five degrees below zero, and the, the crowd, even though it technically was a sellout, it wasn't a full 16,000 there. Um, you know, the Oklahoma State game was the first road conference game. Texas Tech is a great defense. Iowa State also a very good defense. So each of those individual games has a yeah, but the problem is, you can't yeah butt your way into four straight bad offensive performances. At that point, it is a trend. And it's it's frustrating because we've seen I mean, we were making even before we talked, you know, talked about Roy being in, in the in the stands last night, we were talking about this looks in the Ken Palm ratings, um, between the offense and the defense, this looks like a Roy esque team. And not just in how good they are offensively in terms of points scored, but the manner in which they're scoring points. There's, they were so, so fast, um, getting amazing shots, moving the ball with such grace, um, and, and finding the open man. It was, it was beautiful. It really was fun to watch. Um, with the, and the flow was, was, was just wonderful. And all of that now um, – is all, you're only seeing in moments, not over the course of a full game. Yeah. Do you think Roy Williams sitting there was like, man, what the hell is what this? Is this boring brand of basketball? <laughs> I'll say this: uh, Roy's last year at KU, um, his first conference loss came in Colorado, and it was sixty to fifty nine. So, mm-hmm. and as great as, and that team was like second offensively all year. Um, so he he's at least familiar with kind of what on earth type games yeah no it definitely um i wonder how much this all coincides with remy martin's injury i mean you can you can point out different things if you want you can point out the struggle of the five play but that's kind of been a struggle all season long and yes there have been certain games where that's gotten going i mean david mccormick got 17 and 15 against oklahoma state but that was still kind of a, a lower offensive game you the- could point out open shots that have been missed. Jalen Wilson struggling offensively or just guys, maybe a few games where they had open shots missed or I guess the George Mason game um, where both Ochai and and Christian Brown had tough kind of shooting days. Like you can point out to that, but I I think it's it's very apparent. I I just mentioned it basically is the last four games that they've had these offensive slogs because if you go back the game before that, it was the Nevada game, which put up 88 points. They were great. Yeah, the offense was not an issue at all. So... If we're to say what's the commonality of these last four games, well, guess what? The George Mason game was the one where Remy Martin first missed. It was kind of a surprise. We didn't realize it. Then he came back to the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech games, but clearly wasn't himself, didn't play as many minutes as normal, and also just he wasn't as aggressive, and, and you could tell the injury was bothering him, and then he misses the Iowa State game. Yeah, and and, and, and I, I wonder, Remy Martin is, is, the, is the biggest, I think, at least as of now. Now, look, if he comes back and, and is healthy, and this continues, then that's a whole different conversation and 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 more worry. Um, Bobby Pettiford was was la- was there last night b- briefly, but I wonder, do you think it, it, there was something to be you know, maybe Pettiford had a little to do with it? If you go as far back as the Stephen F. Austin game, now his minutes weren't nearly what Remy Martin's have been, um, and and it's more Martin than anything. Um, but it, it is interesting that, that Pettiford, his absence kind of um, at least 
the cool off, maybe it's totally unrelated, but at the very least, the cool off has happened during his absence. Now, I, I do agree that it's more Remy than anybody. Yeah, obviously. I think there is a, a bit of an impact there with Bobby. I'd, I'd be remiss to, to not say so. I mean, if you're looking at the games Bobby Pettiford played um, the most, played Michigan State 11 minutes, had 87 points as a team. Tarleton State, he played 17 minutes. They had 88 points. Played 20 minutes against Stony Brook. They had 88 points. Played 11 against North Texas. They had 71, but that's a team that slows the ball down, so it's a little different. They still won by 20. Yeah. Um, and then they next double-digit minute game, he played 11 versus Iona. They scored 96, and then he gets hurt in the St. John's game. Um, so I, I definitely think he is a help to the offense, and specifically when you look at other ways they've struggled these past couple games, and I think this also goes back to Remy Martin being out, the turnover numbers are insanely high from where they were earlier this season. And again, really high last night. I, I'm pretty sure their three highest games have been these last three games in, turn of ter in terms of turnover rate. There's a tongue twister. Um, and obviously not having a ball handler with Remy Martin, that's going to hurt that. And when Bobby Pettiford's been hurt, it's it's not like you can throw out a secondary ball handler yeah. because he's not out there. And Joe Yesfu clearly isn't making the cut into the rotation. Now, now Bobby struggled last night. Played nine minutes, 0 of 1 shooting, two turnovers, no stats. Yeah, yeah, he just that... didn't look comfortable. But Bill Self said this in the post game. He said he's had one hour, one hour of practice over the last six weeks. Is that right? And he's, you're playing an Iowa State team that has veteran, really good guards. Tyrese Hunter's not a veteran, but he's going to probably be like a first round pick or something. Um, they have really good guards. They pressure you. They played a bunch of different defenses. That's a tough first matchup to come back to when you've had one hour of practice in six weeks. So I'm not worried about Bobby Pettiford moving forward. I think it'll get better as it goes on. But you're right. I think Bobby Pettiford coming back, it helps. And it maybe there's going to be more on his plate if Remy Martin continues to be hurt. There's going to be even more importance to how much he plays. But you have to get more from between Bobby Pettiford and Remy Martin. You're going to have to hope those guys are healthy and good to go for this team to reach its offensive potential. Agree, and I think we've we've seen that um, if this team that even if it reaches its defensive potential, if it's not its defensive potential alone is not going to carry this team to a Final Four. It's off an its offensive potential very much could because we've seen a team that can score eighty five points a game. Yeah. Um, also important to note, Jalen Wilson. I think uh, a little disappointing that he wasn't able to build off the Tech game. He had his best offensive game, 20 points. And then plop. Um, he, he didn't play in the second half to what, like the 8-10 minute mark, something like that? It was clear Bill Self was not happy with him, which he had five assists in the first half, just wasn't shooting well, just missed open shot after open shot. But um, even then there were some passes that I know Bill Self was making. He mentioned in the postgame, like he, he called Jalen out by name um, that he missed some passes for open bigs and stuff. And... Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just feels like it feels like we're later in the game than normal. for Because we've seen before where it's just like, okay, there's one position. Will, who's going to be the point guard? Nadir Tharp or Frank Mason? Who's going to be the center? Landon Lucas or Hunter Mickelson or whoever else? We've seen like that happen where it's like there's one spot where we don't really know what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's a lot more being juggled in the rotation at this point in time than most normal KU seasons. Like, how much yeah. is Jalen going to play? Yeah. Is he going to start? The, the Jalen uh, factor is huge. Right? Yeah, the, the five um, position I still Remy think is the hurt. most glaring. Mm -hmm. I, I will say, yeah, a lot of a lot of the questions are the result of injuries right now. Like, if Remy is is not injured, then there's no question at that position. And and so that that takes away one issue. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's mid-January, three games into the conference season, 
and they're still juggling. And, and I, you know, the thing is, is it's not like, um, you know, to compare to a different sport. A lot of us said for a long time, it's pretty clear Daniel Sorensen can't play. And it added to the frustration that they had what a lot of fans felt in Juan Thornhill was a suitable replacement. The frustration with David McCormick is I'm yet to see a suitable replacement. Now, you could you could make the argument maybe Self hasn't tried enough suitable replacements, it, it particularly um, he's already said he's not taking the, the, the red shirt off cam, um, which is fine. But, you know, you could argue maybe he's he's not played Mitch Lightfoot enough or didn't give Zach Clements enough go in the um, in the non-con or same with K.J. Adams. Those are all legitimate arguments. But the point is, is I'm yet to see it's, – it's not as – I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I, it would lean to it being a bad thing. I, I Not only is there a question there – it isn't like there's one person jumping up. It, it's not like you can say to, you know, it's not like we can sit here and scream, hey, why are you still playing David McCormick? Mitch Lightfoot is playing, you know, like an all-Big 12 center because there's nobody behind David Lightfoot that's stepped up and gone, hey, look at me, I'm the clear option. There's no clear yeah. option at the five, and and that's, um, and I think Self's racking his brain. He keeps repeating that 20-12 and 12 line, um, and, and, reiterating his frustration that he can't get there with four with a combination of four guys well i'll say this um maybe there was some trying being had last night kj adams got the start we that that was the weirdest five-man rotate because it was like kj adams got the start mitch played the majority of the minutes and played he was like the meat in the middle of the sandwich and then dave who didn't play a ton was the guy who closed the game despite not really to that point being like, oh, this is the big we need to go with at the end. So uh, I don't know. We'll talk more about that uh, big man carousel, the five-man carousel, I guess we could call it, with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. He'll join the show in about 20 minutes. Greg Gurley will talk some KU basketball, so some Roy Williams stories with us at about 4.40 from right now. We've got some Bill Self audio, some player audio to share with you around the world with Adam coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. Loaded show today. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravet. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN and KLWN.com. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Jesse Newell will join the show coming up in about 15 minutes. We'll have Greg Gurley at 440. This is RCST. Thank you for joining us today on KLWN, KLWN.com, or the KLWN app. So Rock Chalk pick a hawk. Adam was convinced he lost during the break. I, had I was to tell positive. Him. I didn't even, and I didn't believe him when he said. <laughs> and you crushed me, too. I did. 73 to 40 was the final four, which is funny because you, you mentioned yesterday. Because yesterday, going into it, I was 4-1, and one, but the one win you had, you you just bludgeoned me. It was Yeah, like, so that's two wins. Right. We talked about my point differential. I think your point differential is probably positive. Yeah, it's coming close. Yeah. Um, so 73-40, to 40, the final score. Ochag Baji had the most points of anyone. He had uh, 28 points in that game total through our system, which is one point for every point, two for assists and rebounds, three for steals and blocks. You lose points for shots that you missed, and you lose points... 
for turnovers. Um, Christian, who was number one pick for me, got me 22. But even if I would have went Ochai first and you had Christian second, it wouldn't have mattered. The six-point swing wouldn't have been the difference. What was my? What was the big difference maker for me? Well, Mitch Lightfoot had 22 points. Um, Rebounding mainly? Yeah, he didn't have like a, a, a crazy game. I, I remember sitting there like watching the game and I, I, I was just like... I went through the box scores last night to go to do my... Sports update for the morning shows, and I don't remember. No, it didn't stick anything. out. Yeah, but I remember watching the game, and I was just like, you know, I, I don't remember Mitch doing anything crazy, but he's not doing anything bad, and that's that's just like all they need from the five position, just just be a good role player. And then I think immediately after was when I was thinking that was he had a like over the back foul mm-hmm. on offense, and then immediately the next play defensively, he left his guy open underneath the basket, caught it, and then. The guy was going to get an easy basket no matter what. He also did like kind of a, a soft slap foul that gave him an and one. It was like, of course, oh, of course, I was just thinking that. Um, so anyway, he he ended up with uh, 21 minutes played at the center position or, or 20 minutes um, played, which was by far the most of any of the centers. Both KJ and McCormick each had 10 and he had four points, four rebounds. Uh, this is where he got you the points. One assist. One steal, three blocks. That was oh, the key. Oh, that's nine points. Yeah. And you didn't miss nine a ton points, of shots. Was it nine points for the blocks and another nine? Three t- for the steal. Another three for the steal. That's 12. Yeah. Okay. He ended up with um, 22 points, which was tied for Christian Brown for the second most of anybody in this game. I'm I trying to see. But I was not right. My theory that Dewan Harris would have a chance to get the, a lot of um, assists did not pan out. No, it did not. But he did end up with... I mean, 10 points isn't a lot, but that's actually would have been second on my team. I had Jalen Wilson, who had nine, uh, David McCormick, who had nine, and then I took Remy Martin. I took the risk on him. He didn't end up playing. Yeah, and he didn't play. I think this is the first time that, well, no, there would have been other games where there would have been multiple, but there were two guys who played who neither of us picked. KJ Adams started, neither of us picked. He ended up with, uh, let's see, seven... 13, 11. He would have got 10 points. How uh, what Jalen he Jalen Coleman lands was my last pick, wasn't he? He got you 13. I was gonna say he had a Which was, fine game. Again, that would be second most on my team. And and he would have had an even better game if he wasn't hit across the the eye. I don't know if that'll have any Yeah, long-term. he had the Phantom of the Opera mask by the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine that's not gonna be a long term thing, but you you hope it's not. Um it, it does feel like there is a bit of a because with Jalen Wilson, like I know they're not the same position, Jalen Wilson and Jalen Coleman lands. One of them's more of a shooting guard. The other's more of like a power forward. They're, they're very different, but they almost at a certain point are contending for, for the same minutes because they'll just, if, if Jalen Coleman lands is playing, Christian will play the four. So it just slides down. Whereas if Jalen Wilson is playing, Christian just moves up to the three. So in a way, yeah. they're kind of contending for similar minutes. And with Jalen Wilson, and the worse he plays, the more exactly. And, and if Jalen, if Jalen Coleman lands, his he had one game this year in which he took three shots, and every single shot you were like, "Is this guy held a basketball before?" <laughs> and I can't remember. I, it was I can't remember who that was against. I don't know. There's been a couple, but except for that game. Mm-hmm. He's and then, but then he turned around. You know, he had a twenty point night. Not not rock chalk pick a hawk points. No. Actual basketball George points. Mason, George Mason. Um, I can't was say cannon that. I shots. Why. And then, other than those one or two games where he had a couple just super ugly shots, other than those, he's been, you've been able to rely on him for about you know eight to ten points. Yeah, he's he's been good. And so I think well, that's that's the interesting part of it. It's like they're they're complete like. 
they're not complete opposites, but Jalen Coleman lands is the best shooter on the team. And he is just like, he can be instant offense off the bench, but he doesn't really do much else for you. And he's not a very good defender. Although he did have an, an awesome block yesterday. Um, but he does try hard. I, I, I think it's sometimes just, you know, anyway, um, Jalen Wilson, he's not like a great defender, but he can be really good for you in rebounding and in ball movement, but he's not a good shooter. He might be the worst shooter on the team and not the best offensive player. So it's like you have to like pick which one you want, which strength, which weakness you want between the two of them, which is interesting. And Jalen Coleman lands, I, I don't know, if he doesn't get injured, maybe he plays even longer in that game. But certainly I think that game meant a lot to him beating his former team. And then the other guy neither of us picked was Bobby Pettiford, but Pettiford would have ended up with negative five points, and obviously neither one of us knew that he was going to play. We, yeah, we've been saying on and off the air how much we really, and, and he, last night wasn't a great game for him at all, but just long-term how much we really, really liked that kid. So, I mean, we'll talk more about this on Friday when we do our Rock Shock Pick-A-Hawk for the West Virginia game. But as we stand today where... Um, Remy Martin did not play in that game and he was the last pick to begin with because we just we were on I, I don't think we didn't think he was going to play I think we just weren't sure how much he was going to play and how effective he would be if he did play um, I don't know if he's going to get picked in our Friday edition who's that Remy, Remy? Martin oh I need I need a, a much I need a lot more clarification from self because mm-hmm. yeah, we'll I hear mean, from him I believe like, tomorrow because I yeah I need a ton more clarification from self because even if he does, um, like there 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 are eight players that can be picked that you know will get minutes even if Remy does play, I would think well although that's nine and nine's a lot this late in the season maybe not, but I just I I don't know that you know Remy it, nobody thought he'd be you know it was kind of like well he's not at the first round of warmups. Okay, he's not there either. And so I was he I didn't pay any attention. Was he in full on street clothes last night? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it regardless it wouldn't have mattered what he was wearing. He didn't play, but that's I don't know. Yeah, I, b- before I pick him Friday, even if it's with the last pick, I need a ton more clarification on where he stands. Yeah, I I just wonder we have no idea what the injury is. We have no idea if if it's something where it's like, you know, he could play through it and he'll be 80%, but if he just took like two, three weeks off, he'd be a hundred percent. I would just say that just, just take the two, three weeks off. Even though we mentioned earlier, like that big stretch of games coming up, it's it's more worth it to have him ready for the end of the season. I agree. And and the problem with something like swelling, and I'm not a doctor, I'm just basing this on But my I play own, one on TV. Yeah, right. My own personal history with running, um, half marathons and 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 then also just being a sports fan and, and injuries meaning a lot when you're cheering for certain teams. Swelling his it seems is often one of those things where the way to keep it from getting worse is to just stay off. Um, you know, just ibuprofen, ice, and rest. And we'll see if that's the route they go. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We will have Jesse Newell join the show next of the Kansas City Star. This is RCST. This is RCST on KLWN. It's Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. Joined now by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Four straight games now for KU basketball where, if we're looking at the offensive end, something has been left to be desired, and certainly those four games all coincide with Remy Martin's injury, either him missing games or playing limited 
playing not 100%. I asked you this question, Jesse, a couple weeks ago, I don't know, maybe several weeks ago, about who was the most important player on the team. So if I ask you this same question again, now knowing what KU's offense looks like without Remy Martin, would your answer for the most important player on KU's team be Remy or would it be somebody else? Uh, <laughs> Remy's creeping up there. Yeah, after the last few games, I, I still think Dave is maybe the highest, uh, but, but those two are the guys, I think. Uh, because, you know, if you look at it, that's really where their ceiling is. Their ceiling is getting their best players on the court playing the best together. And right now, especially with the pressure defenses they're playing in the Big 12, the Texas Techs of the world, the West Virginias of the world, the Oklahoma States of the world, uh, it, it's really important for them to get point guards on the floor and guys who can handle the ball and, and stand up to pressure. And they struggled with that yesterday, and they were kind of in scramble mode throughout the entire course of the game against Iowa State, and especially down the stretch, it was a little bit ugly. So, yeah, Remy is definitely creeping up there. Obviously, him and Bill Self haven't always seen eye-to-eye, and he can sort of challenge Bill Self in that sort of uh, setting as well. But uh, it, it, it's shown here the last couple of days. He's super important, and uh, that's, that's definitely become evident in the last 24 hours, especially when uh, KU definitely him against Iowa State, and that's something that Bill Self said after the game, too. If Remy Martin isn't healthy or if he is back playing, but he's he's limited and, and not playing to the guy that uh, maybe we saw earlier in the season in, in helping KU's offense look more explosive, is this team even better than they were last season? Um, yeah, I think better than last season. You had to think uh, about think it for a little, though. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If you look at like Vegas lines and when teams are missing somebody, usually the line doesn't get affected that much. So sometimes we over-exaggerate these sorts of things. I remember talking to, uh, you know, a, an odds maker back when Joel Embiid was hurt. And he was saying, hey, that's not going to swing the line more than a couple points. And that doesn't make sense to us as humans. We think, oh, my gosh, Joel Embiid, you're missing him. How could that not impact Kansas very much? But the thing about that is that, Usually Kansas has players behind him who are not Joel Embiid, obviously. And obviously Joel Embiid wasn't himself, wasn't a Hall of Fame player at that time. But they have guys who are capable. And I think if Remy Martin was going to be out for a long period of time, then KU would have to look at more long-term solutions. And like right now, Bill Self isn't playing Joseph Yesifu because he doesn't have to. But I think if Joseph Yesifu had to play then he would gain more comfort and he would be better than he has been so far. So I, I guess my answer would just be this team's offense, I think is better than last year. The defense is probably about the same, which is not really a compliment to, to this year's defense as of yet, but I still think this team is better. I still think that they would find a way. And uh, it's sort of a matter of figuring out the pieces you have and catering to those pieces and moving forward with the knowledge um, that you do have. And uh, if Remy Martin was out for a long period of time, I think KU would figure it out. It just looks ugly in the short term when they expect him to be in there. They're playing all these pressuring defenses, and then all of a sudden uh, they figure out, you know, 24 hours before the game they don't have him. And I think that leaves them in scramble mode, and I think you saw that scramble mode last night against Iowa State. Well, we did see Bobby Pettiford return. He he obviously struggled in the game. But I, I personally i am not putting too much stock into the performance itself for that one game. I mean, we heard Bill Self in the post game. He said, what, he had one hour of practice over the last six weeks. So – uh, how much do you think having 
Bobby Pettiford back in rhythm can help them get back to their early offensive ways if a lot of it does have to do with you know, handling the ball and, and not turning the basketball over and having an extra ball handler on the floor, even though it's obviously not as impactful as Remy Martin. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's the other person you could throw in there and say, hey, if Remy's out for a long period of time and now that Bobby Pettiford is back to full practice, yeah, he'll get better. He'll get more comfortable. He just, you could tell he hadn't seen any defense like that from Iowa State last time. I mean, they were double teaming, trapping, throwing zones, heating him up, and it just wasn't working, especially because he's out of rhythm and probably a little bit out of condition. And so that, that's going to take some time to get back in there. But, yeah, no, that, that speaks to the point, which is KU has other guys behind Remy Martin. It won't always look that bad uh, that it did last night just because either guys will figure it out or they'll step up or they'll you know become more comfortable in the certain roles they're playing. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think that that definitely can't help them. Obviously, Bill Self has shown a tendency to maybe lean more in Bobby Pettiford's direction this year, especially early, and, and likes the skill set that he has. So uh, that could be a potential answer for Kansas, too. And, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Bobby Pettiford's minutes were going to be cut down a little bit because it's really tough to play three point guards at once. You know, like you, you really can't play Remy Martin and DeWan Harris and Bobby Pettiford all at the same time because – Somewhere there's going to be a matchup defensively where a 6'5 or 6'6 dude is going to be guarded by one of those small guys. It's going to be really tough to keep those guys out of the post or uh, keep KU's players from just getting bowled over. But, yeah, if Remy Martin's out for a period of time or um, you know can't play the sorts of minutes that he did earlier in the season, it does seem like a really good opportunity for Pettiford or, like I said, Yesifu to get in some more minutes and uh, for KU to have those two small guard lineups without having to go to three-point guards and really being uh, potentially exposed defensively on that particular end. Yeah, the the Yesifu thing is weird. You would just think that by now he would have entrenched himself in the rotation. I, I don't remember where you were with Yesifu in the preseason, but I definitely thought he was going to be somebody who was getting 20-plus minutes uh, a night, even if he wasn't a starter, that he was going to play a pretty sizable role off the bench. And I, I guess maybe that's more of a um, long-term versus short-term question maybe, but me and Adam were having this the other day, the idea of, you know, what do you, I guess, put value into? Because uh, on one hand, and, and Baylor ended up losing yesterday, but you have this uh, number one team in Ken Palm, for instance, in Baylor, who just looks like a juggernaut. And if it's going to take, you know, 15 and three or, or something like that to win the Big 12, how feasible is that, uh, the current construction of how KU is going right now? So to that notion, do you almost sacrifice the short term and say, and, and obviously Zach Clements got injured, so you can't do this now, but do you say, hey, we're just going to give Zach Clements more run now, or we're going to give Joe Yesifu more run, and maybe he'll hurt us in the short term, but maybe we find something that helps us in March. Where do you think that balance is for Bill Self, and and are you envisioning, uh, um, I guess, more uh, changes to the starting lineup like we saw yesterday with K.J. Adams moving forward, or do you think it's, it's just kind of going to be more of the same where those guys like Joe Yesifu and Zach Clements and so forth are just kind of playing a, a litter of a handful of minutes. Yeah, um, it's tough. This is why <laughs> that coaches make a lot of money. Um, for Bill Self, it's an interesting dynamic because we know how he is. He's become a Hall of Famer because he puts value on every single game and puts everything into winning every single game and puts great emphasis on winning the big 12 because it is a grind and because every game does challenge you mentally X's and O's wise rotation wise to figure out the right ways and to push the right buttons and to get the right rotation to win in that particular night, sort of like KU did yesterday when you're not playing well, when things aren't going right, when shots aren't going down, 
whatever the case may be, he's always been really good at sort of figuring out a way for KU to win, whether it's ugly or not. But again, you take a step back and you say, what is best for KU ceiling? How can they get to a point where they are playing in the NCAA tournament and for their first four games, they are going to be favored to win? How do you get to a point where your team is at that level? And I, I sometimes think back, I remember, Derek, we were looking at the Bart, Bart Torvik projections coming into the season, right? You know, KU was loaded with its roster. And it was funny because, like, Mitch Lightfoot didn't show up on the minutes projection. And we kind of <laughs> laughed at that because we knew Bill Self was going to play Mitch Lightfoot. But it sort of spoke to the fact that, hey, there's lots of dudes on this team and a lot of mouths to feed, and, and this might not be a guy that gets many minutes. But he has. And it was funny because KU added Jalen Coleman lands and he got put in the rotation immediately. And I remember KU's projection, team projection in that moment went down because <laughs> Jalen Coleman lands was a guy that, Hey, uh, he makes a bunch of threes. It looks really pretty, but uh, from what he's shown defensively over the course of his career, sometimes that can add sort of a net negative because you figure you have to play him. He's an experienced guy, but he doesn't always help out the rest of the team because, you know, it's more than just shooting when you enter the court. So um, part of this might just be, again, how do you get to your ceiling? How do you get out of your comfort zone as a coach? How do you make yourself uncomfortable for the good of the team and look at all the pieces going together and saying, what creates the highest ceiling? Now, listen, Bill Self's got guys in the past where if you play a certain role and you make four other good players better, uh, you can make the team better. I mean, I think of guys like Tyrell Reed or Brady Morningstar, where it was very evident that pass-first guys who locked down defensively and were tough players and, and could play a certain role and help out for the good guys, uh, that was going to be needed and that was helpful. What's tricky about this team is if you're going to play Dewan Harris so many minutes, he's kind of a non-factor offensively most of the time. I know he made the game-winning shot. I know he sometimes shoots open threes, but it's really tough to put more role players on the court besides him. And so it sort of leads me back in the direction to think, how can Bill Self get four guys on the court that are talented and multi-dimensional offensively and defensively to go with Dewan Harris if you're going to leave him out there? And that sort of puts me back to guys like Dave McCormick and Joseph Yesifu. And so, again, I don't know if that's the direction they'll go. I don't know if that's the direction that is necessarily 100% perfect for Kansas, but it kind of keeps going in the back of my mind that at some point, Bill Self's going to have to find a way to, instead of just rely on experience, to look at his guys and figure out that, that some of that talent needs to be out there too, especially if he's going to play a role player like DeWan Harris. So uh, we'll see how they do it moving forward. We'll see if that's the rotation that they get, but uh, that hasn't been the rotation lately. He's kind of relied on some of the old vets, and while KU has been winning, they really kind of regress a little bit when it comes to overall team value. Uh, they sort of need to shake things up, I think, at some point, and uh, we'll see what Bill Self decides to do here over the course of the next couple of weeks. All right, we're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Um, I, I want to do something with you, Jesse, here. So, Adam, go ahead and cue the music. Okay, we have the big man, Carousel, which is going on for KU basketball. And uh, KJ Adams gets the start last night for KU. So I have on our prize wheel here, I have written down all of the different options at the five for KU. You have your traditional fives, or I guess Mitch Lightfoot, David McCormick, Zach Clements, KJ Adams, Jalen Wilson is a small ball five. I even put Christian Brown in a uh, experimental small ball five role on this wheel. So I'm going to give this wheel a twirl. He, he refused to put my name on the wheel, um, <laughs> which really upset me for the record. So, after I, I spin the wheel, whoever's name comes up, I would like to hear your take on that player right now, 
how he does or doesn't fit into the team, how he fits into the potential or not, and uh, how he fits into maybe some of the current issues going on right now as well. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a whirl. Keep the music rolling. Ooh, it could be anyone. I spun this a lot harder than I thought. And KJ Adams. KJ Adams is the winner of the big man carousel. Got the start last night. So, Jesse, thoughts on KJ Adams? Yeah. Uh, I, I like some of the things he did last night. You know, I'm going back and watching, and he's covering up for some of his teammates' mistakes, which is good. He's a rim protector in there, which is good. Uh, he's very switchable defensively, and uh, if you switch him on a guard or want to switch five, all five positions, it's something he's able to do. Um, I think for Bill Self, it's sort of, again, it's a ceiling question because offensively, he basically just can kind of set screens. And if you dump it off to him, he can dump, dunk it every once in a while, but doesn't really have much of a skill set you play to. And like I said before, if you play him and DeWan Harris, I, I think four on five can be acceptable offensively, but five on five becomes, or a three on five becomes really rough if you have two guys on the court. Uh, that really teams can sag off of or not worry much about. So he dropped one of the easy ones when it got dished to him early on, and so those are the sorts of issues he has right now. But uh, right now, I, I think he's earned more playing time with his defense, uh, and I think that what he's able to do versatility-wise is going to be valuable for KU moving forward. So uh, I, I think he's in the rotation. I think he'd be in my rotation, but I, I think you know his limitations offensively, and that's going to cap the ceiling he has for this year. Okay, on to another edition of Kiss, Mary Kill, which we honestly could have done with the big men. Um, Tennessee, UCLA, and Indiana. Those are your three teams. Tennessee, UCLA, Indiana, Kiss, Mary Kill, go. Uh, let's kill UCLA. I think I'm lowest on mm. them in the uh, AP poll. And nice record, but uh, have not been super impressive this year with the uh, the advanced numbers. So uh, not a believer in them. I guess I'll... Uh, uh, I'll marry Tennessee. Um, they've kind of hung around there. They've got they're one of those teams that has four losses, but uh, it, they, they played some good teams, and they've been a team that has uh, kind of impressed over the long run so far. So I guess that leaves me kissing. Uh, who was left? You said Indiana? Yeah, they're on a rise. Uh, they, they've done well recently, and, and the Big Ten's uh, loaded at the top. Uh, Big 12. Well, sounds like Jesse Newell just uh, got hung up on. Or yeah, he's he's gone, gone. Yep. All right. Well, we do know who he kissed, married, and killed. Um, that's unfortunate. Looks like he was kissing Indiana or marrying Indiana at the end. Do you think his wife heard him saying, I'm kissing Indiana, and then offed him? Who the hell is Indiana? <laughs> I don't know if that was a good impression of his wife or not. <laughs> no. His wife is very nice. I, I've met her very nice lady. Well, um, she's apparently in, in yeah. a jealous rage right now. Yeah. <laughs> And we're going to have to find Indiana. a new guest. Yeah. And on top of it, not only did he kiss Indiana, he married another person, married Tennessee. Uh, but thank you to Jesse Newell. And Newell's. now he's a murderer because he's also... Yeah, right. She, no wonder she's angry. He kissed one person, married another, and then murdered a whole basketball team. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's it's late in the hour, so we're not going to try to get Jesse back on. But thank you to Jesse Newell for coming on the show. Jesse, if you're listening back to this later, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate your time. Check out all of Jesse's great work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com where you can find all that stuff. Um, we'll get him back on next week, next Wednesday, and talk more with Jesse. For Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. One hour down, two to go. Greg Gurley joins us at 440. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? 
You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Four o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. We'll be joined by Greg Gurley, the KU color analyst at about 440 Coming up in about 35 minutes, we're going to talk KU basketball with Greg. We're going to talk some Roy Williams stories with Greg Gurley. He was a former player for Roy Williams and uh, was pretty key and in, in helped bringing Roy back into Allen Fieldhouse last night, which was a cool little scene when he got honored after the first media timeout. I know in the, the post game, it was mentioned that he kind of choked up and, and almost teared up um, and how meaningful that was to him. So cool moment there. We'll talk more about it with Greg Gurley coming up in 35 minutes from right now. But first, we got to get to what's going on around the world with Adam. All right, let's get going. We're going to uh, Los Angeles first. This is a story from CNN. Uh, It was reported on a ton of other outlets, too. Uh, Derek, we've all been uh, busy at work. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we get a sign there's too much on our plate. We got this thing, we got that thing, we got all these things mm, we've been planning. So many things. And, you know, we, get, we we have all these things we've been planning, and then something else gets added to it that we didn't even see coming. And, you know, sometimes you got to you gotta skip. Sometimes you got to sacrifice, um, and, and it's not easy to do. Uh, these police officers in Los Angeles have been fired. They appealed their firing and lost said appeal. So they have officially, the, the the firing took place in April of 2017. Um, and they kept appealing, kept appealing, kept appealing. Finally, it uh, it went up and, and they said, no, you're, you're done. Your appeal's done. Mm-hmm. You're officially fired, fired. Um, this is according to a ruling earlier this month from the California they do? Appellate Court. Well, see, Derek, they couldn't go and see what was going on during this ri- robbery a 211, which is robbery in progress, um, at the Macy's at Crenshaw Plaza, located southwest of downtown Los Angeles. It was being robbed by multiple people. They couldn't go to that, Derek. What was more important? What do you think they were doing? <laughs> I don't know. Were they like trying to solve a murder? Something important? Close. Close. Hmm? Um, apparently, uh, they were uh, after, uh, after some... Important Pokemon. They were playing Pokemon Go. Oh, are you serious? And there were some very, uh, very um, rare Pokemon. That I guess, I, you know, they had to go get a Charizard or something, man. <laughs> so someone's so, holding up Macy's, oh my gosh. and these cops got to go play Pokemon like, but Go. But hold on. I need to throw a Pokeball. Dude, that's so dumb. That, come um, on. The ruling notes that Captain Darnell Davenport heard the call uh, at his home, or no, heard his call come in. Uh, as he was heading to a homicide scene from where he was located, he could see the Macy's and another police car that was tucked away in the alley inside the patrol car were these two gentlemen. Um, the patrol supervisor that day saw that those two guys were nearby, requested help, requested backup for them to go, but got no response. Um, so their, their, their defense was... Uh, we have no control over the system. It was all loud oh noise. It was loud. Come on. Okay, see, this the is... The recordings unveiled it that instead of responding to the call, the two officers were playing the augmented reality mobile game Pokemon Go for 20 
minutes. Is this just the future of because us is millennial? I don't know if you're a millennial. I'm a millennial. Um, I'm on the I'm on the the uh, yeah the front okay. end of millennials. So us is millennials. Um, sometimes we get too distracted with our phones and technology and everything. Do you think in like 20 years, everybody is just like we're gonna go places and wherever you are, it's just gonna be like one second. I gotta send this text message. Like you're like at Starbucks in the front of the line and the barista is just like, hold on before I take your order. Let me shoot out this text. I, I'm sure it's like possible. TikToking and stuff. I know that more and more places are are just letting, just saying, all right, you know, when when I still remember, I mean, you you could not text um, at, at work, period. And yeah. now if you have a job like flipping burgers or something, a lot of places are like, just don't do it in front of the customers, right, whatever. Right. Just get your um, work done. Yeah. And so, but yeah, no, these, these guys are cops though. Like somebody's robbing a Macy's and they got to go. And play Pokemon Go, uh, but now they have all the time they. You know, possibly- if you want to do that, if you're getting like a call for like a noise complaint, like I don't have a problem with it. But come on, there's a robbery going on. Like, go help people. Now they have all the time they could possibly yeah. want to play Pokemon Go. We're gonna move on to Tennessee. This is from the New York Daily News. Uh, State Representative Jeremy Faison, Faison, I'm guessing, uh, 45 years old, was watching his son play when he got upset with a call by the referee. He stormed onto the cart into onto the court. He's not a he's just there as a spectator, by the way. He didn't coach his kids' team. Okay. Stormed all, onto the court and argued with the ref. Um, mm, natural. Then, what he did uh, beyond that, um, what what do you think he did? The, the ref tried to just ignore him and and defuse. I'm the assuming situation. he either tried to fight the ref or he did something obscene. Like did he like pull down his pants? Or he something? tried to pull the referee's pants down. Oh, I was saying his own. No, like no, he tried to pull the ref's pants down. Um, the ref's pants stayed tied around his waist. That's good news. The ref wanted to call, call the cops, but apparently they. I don't know if it was the other ref. I mean, technically, but, that's sexual harassment. Yeah, and and the the ref was able to just be um, convinced rather than calling the cops, just eject. Uh, Jeremy Faison, or maybe it's Faison. I don't know how he pronounce it. I don't care. He's pulling people's pants down. Uh, and the guy just left further without incident. This uh, That report coming from the Nashville Tennessean. Uh, here is Mr. Uh, Jeremy Faison, or Faison's um, statement that he made on social media. I don't know specifically which type of social media, but this is what he said. <clears throat> It's very eloquent, so I, I got to make sure my voice is clear. Make sure there's no cuss words in this. I acted the fool tonight and lost my temper on a you ref. think? I was wanting him to fight me. Totally lost my junk and got booted from the gym. I hope to find the ref and ask for his, his forgiveness. I was bad wrong. Okay, so I actually, like, you know... I. I'm a man of second chances. If you know, he's asking for forgiveness here, so I'll I'll give Derek, him Derek, Derek. benefit he, of the doubt. He but, said he said he was bad wrong. That's a bad wrong. That's a big. Aye, aye. I mean, that's a hell of a thing to admit when you're bad wrong. Yeah, that's just wrong. So but I'll bad give him wrong. There, he knew. But like, the fact that you ever got to a point where you did that, I got kicked on. out of a slow pitch softball game once. Okay, see, I, I didn't. I didn't, have... try, I didn't try to pull the ump's pants down. I. I was get. I finally like. I wanted to get kicked out because I was so angry, and I just kept chirping, chirping, and yeah, finally see, I, I got. I got him over the edge. He kicked me out, and I. I'll left. be honest. I don't really have a problem with the the chirping at the refs. Like they're, you know, like that. That's one thing. But like you, you went. Uh, well, and tried I, to, I do at that age. Court. Well, okay, yeah, that's fair. But for like a kids' basketball game or something, yes. Yeah. But if it's like an adult beer league and in the 
ref is like has something out against you and you're chirping at him like and you get ejected like yes probably don't you're do gonna that. get mocked by your girlfriend exactly. and your family but it's not like something that i'm gonna be like wow what a terrible person it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it happened you know yeah whereas this it's like come you on pulled his, you tried yeah. to pull his pants down uh, unbelievable you what tried the, to pull his pants down what was the end game there I, well, he did say, and in, in uh, I was trying to, uh, I was wanting him to fight me. So look, I from, so from that idea. from that statement, I guess he thought, okay, if I if I pull down his draws, then he'll <laughs> he'll take a swing at me. Do you think that's how he goes? He like goes to a bar and like somebody cuts him in line to get a drink before him or something. He's Instead like, of going, hey, fight this you want to go? He just pulls his pants Whew! down. Unbelievable. Maybe he's from some like colony in some unknown part of the world that's their custom yeah like you pull their of, pants down to indicate that you want to fight right like if you flip the bird like that's you yeah know what that means he doesn't um, know what that means no but it's you, like, you give him the middle finger he has no clue what that is he pulled his pants down oh i know what that means let's go um but yeah that uh so he was uh, uh let's not forget uh mark mangino who didn't pull any ref's pants down but he was pretty pissed during his kid's high school game once when he was the coach right. at KU and came storming down onto the field to argue with the referee. Yeah, I've so. heard some stories about that, that that was uh, not a great moment for Mark Mangino. Yeah, I know. To say the least. Um, could you imagine if he, like, got suspended for important KU games because, because of he that? came bowling out of the stands to scream at a ref during a high school game? I don't know. Mm. But he did not pull his pants down. He might still have been bad wrong, but he didn't pull the rest of the pants down. We're going to go to Copenhagen, Denmark. Mm. This out of the AP. Conscripts in Norway and the Navy have been ordered. Uh, they, they're needing to save some money. Um, so they're needing to, you know, you, you, after you're done with your, uh, for the record, it is uh, out from this story I learned that um, you, uh, let's see. Uh, military service is mandatory for both men and women in Norway and lasts between 12 and 19 months. So um, basically everybody of a certain age, as long as you're physically and mentally able, you have to join the military in Norway for between a year and 19 months. Conscripts in the Norway Navy uh, have to, in order to save some money, they have to, they have to uh, return their dundies. That, mm. Their underpants, their bras, and their socks at the end of their military service so that the next group of recruits can use them. The Norwegian military said Monday that it is struggling with dwindling supplies, in part due to the pandemic. The Norwegian Defense hmm. Logistics Organization said because of, quote, a challenging stockpile situation, this move is necessary as it provides armed services with greater garment volumes available for new soldiers starting their initial service so derek if you're in the military in norway you have to give back your underpants once you are finished with your duty <laughs> you set yourself up for that <laughs> you knew you wanted to say that line this whole story yes. I know you did um why 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 okay i would be so it pissed you said because the because of the no, thing I, man I, but come on like i don't want somebody streak right in under i don't want like man, you get can you imagine holes in it Use Can you imagine if they don't get it clean enough and you're like, oh, come on. Well, like, I, I understand, like, pass-me-downs as far as, like, jackets or something like that. Or maybe, like, jeans or something even. But, but har underwear? Harney shars? No. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. 
Somebody needs to start a donation drive honest, to the Norwegian if, Navy. You know, if I if I was like of interest in in joining the the Norwegian Army, my Does interest would go out? completely out the door. Well, if you're if you're a citizen of Norway, you have to. Mm. You have you to have be in to the military. Yeah, it said that. It, it said mandatory for both men and women in Norway and last between 12 and 19 months military service. That's interesting. It's Norway. Who are they going to war with? They haven't been at war yeah, since the Germans invaded them in World War II. Yes, they're just getting ready. Just getting well, ready. Everybody's and, prepared. And having everybody ready in case. Switzerland's uh, never at war, and they have one of the most badass militaries around. Dude, that is incredible to me. I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad. And they're like tidy whiteies too. What like, you know the thing like, you, you yeah you'd have to be really mad if you're a new recruit now going in and you're like ah eh, whatever my older brother was in the military my older sister was in the military it's required I'm a proud Norwegian I'll do this for you know a year to a year and a half and then I'll be done. What <laughs> I gotta wear the last guy's underpants? Yeah, but I'm out. I can't do the twelve I'm to done. nineteen months. I'm sorry. You have guys here shooting themselves in the foot to avoid military service. Over there, they're doing it just so they don't have to wear. They can wear <laughs> yeah. fresh undies. Sorry. At least in prison, I can wear fresh undies. Yeah, because think about that, too. If it's only 12 to 19 months that you have to be in there, that means you could get underwear that's been passed down between, like, four people over four years. <laughs> Good call. All right, we got to be quick on this one. We only got about two minutes left. A pair of Scott, uh, this from the UPI out of Scotland. A pair of Scottish siblings who grew up in the same city met for the first time in their 30s thanks to an eBay purchase that led to a family connection. Ross Colcohone, uh, 37, shared his story on Twitter and said he and his sister Erin met Monday. He said that the story of the reunion began two years earlier when he bought a Hearts versus Liverpool soccer game program mm-hmm. on eBay. He said he received the message from the seller, who was Aaron, saying his purchase was being refunded and the seller explained why. He was the father that this man had never met. Uh, he said the eBay purchase led to his getting his to his Noah's father's side of the family, but the pandemic. Oh, so his his dad was the seller, not his sister. Uh, Wait, but he so just he met refunded it because it was his dad. I'm guessing. That's not fair. I, well, no, I'm guessing he saw. I'm guessing he saw the name and probably wanted to give him to it for free. That's a good question. I, I got. I need mm. to read. Maybe hopefully they got it. Um, uh, said the eBay purchase led to getting to know his father's side of the family, but the pandemic got in the way of meeting his sister until Monday. We laughed, we cried, we shared stories. It felt like we'd known each other our entire lives. I was extremely nervous, but it was an absolutely beautiful and life-affirming experience. He wrote that he found out a lot in common. He had a lot in common with his long-lost sibling, including DNA. We talked about our lives and experiences, which seem remarkably similar. Aaron studied at Glasgow School of Art, whereas I inter- attended Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh College of Art. Quote, the ter- trepidation is still there, but I'm really looking forward to meeting the family members I've yet to meet. So, isn't that cool? Him. I still hope. Heartwarming. I, that, what, the thing that I have not figured out is, yes, he canceled the purchase to say, hey, I'm your dad. But did he add, but don't worry, I'll give it to you for free? Like, that's what I would respond. Hey, great, I'm, you're my real father. What the hell about the program, man? Do I still get that? Yeah, I just you know I I don't need to meet you. I just I just wanted the. Program. I mean, I wanted this program, man. <laughs> yeah, like I just, made it into my thirties without yeah. you. <laughs> um, this reminds me of that. I don't, have you ever seen that movie Three Identical Strangers? Oh, the t- documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Triplets. I highly recommend watching it because it is just an absolutely wild story. Now that one is kind of uh, sad a little bit. Um, hopefully, this one doesn't have kind of the same ending. Yeah, as this one seems a little very wild. Upbeat. Internet connecting people. Who would have thought? 
With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. We'll be joined by Greg Gurley in about 20 minutes. But coming up next, uh, Dewan Harris, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown spoke with the media after the game. We'll let you listen to that audio after this timeout. Joined now by KU color basketball analyst Greg Gurley, but also a former player of one Roy Williams, who was in attendance yesterday, got a really good ovation. Um, I, I was a little disappointed, though. He had the like black, uh, I don't know if you'd call it like a mock turtleneck or, or long sleeve shirt, whatever, but didn't unveil the little Jayhawk sticker on it. I thought if he would have, when they did the ovation, if he took off the blazer, you could see the sticker there, it, it would have, I don't know, the Allen Fieldhouse roof might have just popped off. But uh, how cool is it, Greg, before we get into you know some actual KU basketball stuff, just seeing your, your former coach there and seeing Roy come back into the Fieldhouse for the first time since what, I think 2014 and the, the 60th anniversary of Allen Fieldhouse? Yeah, it was cool. You know, we, we had kind of started this conversation back when Wayne Simeon and Terry Nooner and I went to Paul Pierce's Hall of Fame induction up in uh, Springfield, Mass. And and uh, we're just trying to find a game and, and works in his schedule because he said he's retired, but he's said he's about the busiest retired guy ever with four grandkids and just popping around doing everything that he does. So, he, uh, a couple of weeks ago, said January 11th works. I said, okay, great, we'll make it work. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out great. I thought our, our crowd was great and, and honoring him. I thought the video was cool. Our, our Rock Chalk video department, our, everybody at Kansas Athletics did such a good job in making him feel welcome. And, you know, he's he's such a big part of, of uh, the tradition that is Kansas basketball. You know, the coach here for 15 years, won a ton of games and, and Final Fours and league titles. And so, uh, and, you know, it, I think what gets kind of lost in his successes was the fact that, you know, when he took this job, he wasn't a household name. This wasn't like hiring the, the hot young assistant that everybody's after. This was like the second assistant in North Carolina that no one had ever heard of outside of the state of North Carolina and Kansas was going to be on probation. And in his third year, the no-name from North Carolina took Kansas, played for the national championship. So uh, our crowd understood that. Our fan base understood it. And it was uh, well-deserved. And I thought it was just a, a good night for everyone. And luckily, DeWan Harris knew that he couldn't let him come back and see a loss. You think that's what that way he willed it in? He knew it was it was all about Roy in that situation, or I don't know, maybe yeah. the magic was yeah. there. Yeah, I'm sure that was on Dewan's <laughs> mind. But uh, what a, what a game! What what an interesting game too, where where Dewan really didn't play that great because he had some turnovers. But it's hard when you you know he's he's much better when there's two point guards on the floor. And now when you're when you're by yourself like he was last night, it definitely took its toll as far as you know, being mentally connected for 40 minutes. And he had some, some you know, brain lapses where he turned the ball over. And, but, man, all that is forgotten because he made the biggest shot of 2022. If uh, you had a, a player or two on, on this KU team that you think Roy Williams was watching there going, man, he would, he would fit really nicely into the system that I like to run with the, you know, crashing the boards on both ends and, and playing a lot in transition – who do you think probably stuck out to him the most? That's a good question because, you know, Coach Williams was, he really liked uh, athletic big guys that could run and 
offensive rebound and, and, and then he likes scoring point guards. And, you know, so I don't, I don't really know who on our team, uh, you know, I'm sure Christian and Ochai, obviously they're the two best players, but as far as our bigs, those aren't really prototypical Roy guys. Um, maybe a KJ Adams because of his athleticism and quickness, but, uh, that's a good question. I, uh, it, it, Bill and Roy's, uh, type of players that they like are different. They really are. Yeah. And, uh, doesn't make either of them right or wrong. It just means that they like different guys. And, uh, one guy, they both won national championships and, uh, you know, you, you go with, with what you like. Yeah, it's, it's, it, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. There's not one way to win a title or anything. Uh, we're talking with Greg Gurley here. Uh, so do you have a, a good story about – it's always fun hearing back with the Roy Williams, like the conditioning camp in the offseason. And we still hear about that with the Bill Self offseason regimen and everything and, and uh, kind of like Hell Week and everything. But um, with Roy Williams, what was it, six minute, uh, two miles, six minutes each mile or something like that? Do you have any good conditioning stories from – your time playing for Roy. Well, I don't have any good stories <laughs> because I hated him because it was awful. But there are some interesting stories that go along with it. I mean, he, he made us do, I think it was a 12-minute run. You had to, you know, that measured you when you came back from the summertime. And then you had to do it. Everybody got a time for the mile. And then if you didn't get that time, you were there the next morning at 6 a.m. with Coach Rob doing it at Memorial Stadium with no lights, and it was awful. But it, it, it was one of those things that was just something that nobody looked forward to, no matter who was in shape or what. It was just we'd go down to the football stadium and do it. And, and again, some of my worst memories are from preseason conditioning and not making our times and something and having to show up the next – I mean, the first day of practice. So the day before the first day of practice, we had to run our mile. And if you didn't make the mile – by one second, 10 seconds, whatever, it didn't matter. If you missed it by one second, you were there at 6 a.m. the next morning to run it, then you had practice. And so I had to do that one year, and it was miserable because, you know, you're getting up early, you're running, you go to class, and you have first practice, which is a first practice is always a ball buster, and, and, and it was not enjoyable. So in answer to your question, I don't have any good stories. I have some stories that I remember because of how awful they were. Okay, let's let's uh, spin it positively. What in your time was your favorite thing about being coached by Roy Williams? Oh, just you know, we were we were family. You know, we had uh, my teammates, our coaching staff. Everybody was on the same page. Just like any program that has a great coach and was successful, that's the way it has to be. And you know, they're still lifelong friends coaches and players as far as anyone's story i mean you know you, you, the good times when you the good and the bad times you don't you don't get to those good times without going through a rough patch and my freshman year we lost to utep we were the number one seed in the midwest regional the next year we were the number two seed and i think because of that loss to utep i think it got us to the final four and you know we ended up losing to carolina in the final four but uh just the the ups and downs over four years, the friendships that you make and the memories that you create. And, uh, you know, as far as one thing, I, I really think, you know, winning that game against Indiana and St. Louis was, was probably the, the pinnacle to go to the final four, but unfortunately didn't win the national title, but, uh, the league titles, the tournament titles, the uh, NCAA tournaments, just everything was, you know, I went to Kansas because 
of the fact that I, I knew I wasn't a starter and I knew I wasn't an NBA guy, but I knew that we were going to win a lot of games and every year we had a chance to win a national title. Unfortunately, we didn't, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. We're talking with the great Gurley here on Rock Shock Sports Talk, so I do want to get a little more into that game from yesterday. It seems like it's become pretty apparent how important Remy Martin is to the team. Not that we didn't know to begin with how uh, how much of a good player he was, but um, you mentioned Dewan Harris. He's maybe been better when there's been another guard on the floor. It just seems like the offense has been maybe uh, a little more stuck in the mud compared to where, where it was at the beginning of the season when it was just go, go, go over these last four games or so for KU. Do you attribute a lot of that to Remy Martin? Is that the biggest thing missing right now from KU? Yeah, I think it's a combination of Remy and then our bigs. I mean, we had a full slate of players against Oklahoma State. We had our big drought, but the bigs played well. Remy played well in that second half, and we go on to win. Then you go to Lubbock and then play Iowa State, both teams that really defend well, and you got limited Remy and, and, and no Remy uh, last night. So when you have to, you know, it kind of goes back to last year where we didn't really have a point guard, but certain guys had to be point guards. DeWan is a point guard, but he's not the primary guy. And again, when it's a two-headed monster with Remy and, and DeWan on the floor, that's great. But putting him out there, a man on an island, you know, it's new to him. And uh, he had to play 37 minutes last night being pressured 94 feet and that i would say give them a ton of credit because they 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 smelled they saw blood in the water and they attacked and you know it's it's going to be a growing pain for him granted he made the big time shot but he, he's got to be better and uh you know hopefully we get remy back and this isn't an issue but last night was good for him because again you're never going to get there without some some adversity but uh we're obviously a much better team when we got a full complement of our guys what did you make of K.J. Adams getting the first start of his career last night at the Five? You know, I thought he was fine. I mean, early on, I think the crowd loved the fact that, uh, you know, we mentioned it in the broadcast that you know, somebody, I don't remember who passed him the ball, but on the baseline, he got it, went straight up, and dumped it. And that's what our whole fan base is wanting out of the paint with anybody who plays for us. And that's what, you know, Bill's seen in practice, and that's why he gave him the start. Now, is K.J. going to be the guy that plays – 30 minutes a game? No. He's going to be, we need to build his confidence and get his quality minutes. And I thought last night was, it was a good step to that. But when it got down to crunch time, you know, David McCormick didn't get into about the seven minute mark, the second half and, and didn't wow us or anything with anything he did other than it just under two minutes. He came out of nowhere and blocked a, looked like a surefire layup by Iowa state. And then a one point game, any bucket's huge, obviously. That sounds like a dumb statement, but it's true. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out the chemistry and consistency. I mean, we thought Jalen Wilson was going to be much better yesterday, and he really wasn't. After his offensive output on, on Saturday at Texas Tech, and then just struggled offensively last night. We just need, we need some consistency. Yeah, I wonder who's going to have a bigger impact, and I'll actually pose this question to you. Obviously, Bobby Pettiford came back last night, too, and I know he didn't have the best performance either, but Bill Self said in the post game, you know, it was a little unfair to him. He had only practiced one hour, I think, in the past six weeks or something like that, and then you go up against 
a team who has one of the best defenses in the country, a team who's playing all these different types of defense, and they're they're pressuring the ball with some good athletic guards. So it's tough for him. But who do you think once we get around to March, so a couple months from now into the NCAA tournament or the Big 12 tournament, the postseason, when things really start to lock down, who do you envision having a bigger impact on the team? Would it be Bobby Pettiford or K.J. Adams? Wow, it's a good question. Uh, I, I, I mean, they each have their own roles. I don't want to sidestep your question, because I, but I think they're going to both have a limited role, but both equally important. Um, you know, I, I guess I'd go with KJ if I had to pick one, just because you know we're gonna we're gonna need big man play. And now, on the other hand, I could say Bobby because when you get into March, it's so perimeter oriented, and he he's shown me that he's more of a distributor than he is a shooter, which I think he'll develop over time. But those first few games that he played, he created opportunities for others. And so maybe I'll switch midstream and say Bobby, but uh, uh, they're both going to be important. And and, uh, uh, we really like Bobby's game, and and the fan base just hasn't seen it yet because of that injury. But uh, last night was probably unfair to really judge him because he hadn't practiced. He'd been out for over four or five weeks, and, you know, it's – just going to take him some time to get back into basketball shape physically and mentally. He is Greg Gurley. You can hear him on the call of all the KU basketball games, the color analysts, including this Saturday. KU taking on West Virginia at 1 o'clock. Pre-game starts 11.30 right here on KLWN. Greg, before we let you go, better golfer, Roy Williams or Bill Self? Uh, you know, Roy was always really good. I played a lot of golf with Bill. Uh, probably Roy... Right. Well, I don't know about right now because I haven't played with him in 15 years. Probably, probably Roy. He was kind of a handy skank, though, because he he was a legitimate scratch golfer, and he'd play as like a six or a seven. Used to used to make a lot of people mad around these parts. But Bill's a legit 10, 11 that can shoot it in the 70s, but also in the 90s. So, how's that for a all over the map answer? Yeah, I love it. Just depends on the day. But who knows? I don't know. Roy Williams retired. Maybe he's golfing more. Maybe, like you said, he's busy. He's not golfing. We just we don't know. But uh, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll get a golf tournament between the two there in the go. coming That's summer. A good idea. A whole yeah. fundraiser. Sure. Exactly. Another reason to bring him back. Well, Greg, thank you so much for the time as always, man. And uh, looking forward to chatting to you next time. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. All right. That was Greg Gurley, color analyst for KU Basketball. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down. One to go. More KU basketball talk on the other side.